You're listening to the Top Woman Business Unusual Podcast. Now, the Top Woman Business Unusual Podcast. Learn from the greatest minds in business today. Interviews hosted by Ralph Fletcher. Learn how to improve business, get tips from industry leaders, and be motivated by real-life experience. Top Woman. Business Unusual. So welcome to the Top Woman, Standard Bank Top Woman podcast. Um, today, in, I'm very excited to have a seat at the table with Shirley Zinn. Uh, Shirley, who has an amazing track record, and I'm just going to go through some of her, her, her biography, but she's recently um, uh, authored the, uh, the publication Swimming Upstream, which is an amazing story, um, and it's one of true grit and determination in terms of, in terms of getting to your success. Um, Shirley's got master's in education, a doctorate from Harvard University, and multiple other qualifications. She has sat on so many boards. I think she must be driving some of the most reputable businesses on the continent. I mean, from MTN, Spur, uh, WWF, Afrocentric, DHL. Um, she's been involved in the turnaround strategy for both the South African Revenue Services and Nedbank, um, as well as Standard Bank uh, as the global head of HR. And now she's uh, the consultancy firm where she still provides HR guidance and leaderships leadership to uh, many companies. I think we have, have been one of those companies that have worked with Shirley uh, around our leadership uh, and HR our policies. And on top of that, which I'm very proud to, to leave last but not least, is in 2008, Shirley was one of our top women in business leader award winners. So that's 13 years ago. Welcome, Shirley. Thank you so much for coming today. Thank you very much for having me, Carla. It's it's wonderful after all of these years, um, still to be in celebration mode um, on that great moment um, of having received that recognition and that award. Thank you for all that you do through Top Women and with Standard Bank to celebrate um, the amazing work um, that women are doing under very tough circumstances. And um, I'm absolutely delighted to be here today with you. So I mean, we met. I met you 13, 13 years ago. I was a lot younger. Um, <laughs> so was I. More naive, yeah. So I met you when you were at Standard Bank, and that was when you, you were, I think, in the midst of your your turnaround strategy, um, which which you did some amazing things with the with the bank and Tom Boardman. But tell me, what's what has that journey been like since since then? It's Thirteen years later, I can't believe it. I, when I looked at the date, I couldn't actually believe. I double checked the date. I couldn't believe it was that long ago. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much, Carla. So so yeah, quite a lot has happened. Um, so um, as you know, I, I went to um, Pretoria, Johannesburg, um, on a three-year stint. It turned seventeen very quickly, but I was fortunate to work in the most amazing places like Rekit Benkiza, like South African Revenue Services, Nedbank, Standard Bank. And um, we, um, I finished my Standard Bank stint in 2010, and Kevin and I decided we returning to our home um, in Cape Town, and the adventure up north um, was, uh, was going to be toned down somewhat, mm-hmm. uh, which is what I thought. Um, we came back um, to Cape Town about six years ago, and I uh, got some work from Woolies to assist them with a group HR function across um, Africa and Australia. A very interesting role, which I wasn't really anticipating, but by then already sitting on a few um, listed boards. Mm-hmm. So it was quite uh, intense uh, a stint for me. And, um, and now uh, most of my work is uh, as an independent non-executive director on five listed boards. I have a, a few NPOs you mentioned, WWF, this Business Engage, um, and one or two others. And then there uh, is also um, a few private companies um, that, I serve, that, uh, that I serve as well. And then there was one government agency in there. And I also finished up my stint um, on the UCT Council um, um, in the middle of last year and my adjunct professorship in December last year. So. Um, it's been quite a journey. Um, it's been an interesting 12 months. Um, 
um, and a daunting 12 months as well, this past 12 months, just to bring us fully up to date in terms of, you know, what the pandemic has actually done to this world, the impact on people, the impact on leadership, the impact on transformation. And um, there, are, there are more questions and answers right now, and all of us are in a huge learning curve. Um, so there have been plenty of learnings, which I'm very, which I'm very happy to, to share with you. But that, in essence, has been the journey since uh, since I, you know, we came back to Cape Town and finished up at Standard Bank in 2010. I think you mentioned, um, you know, everybody having lots of questions, and that includes our leadership, right? Like we've all from from I feel like it's really humbled uh, um, the, the professional community in the sense of we all don't have the answers, so we're all looking up and down. And it's really brought us to, together to like an empathetic state in, in some senses. Yeah, I think it's an important word that you've just used there because I've been at pains um, over the last 12 months to um, really encourage, you know, a different cadre of leadership and different qualities of leadership that we need during a time like this. And um, I do believe that at years businesses are there because um, they need to, you know, uh, generate profits and, and, and run their businesses effectively. But business is an integral part of, of our society and our economy and our communities. And so what is the role of business uh, during a time like this? And I think that there are broader stakeholders here that we need to be mindful of like the environment, like our communities, like society more broadly. And what is our impact during a time like this and what needs to shift? And I think if anything, uh, many of us have, have suffered, uh, you know, we, we're talking about burnout, we're talking about, uh, uh, you know, people, the impact on people's lives. Um, they suffered losses, they, they're grieving, there's a lot of anxiety and uncertainty. And of course, we're very concerned about people's livelihoods that many people, millions of people have lost their jobs. Many of them have had time um, short, on short time or on 50% less of what they were earning and remain anxious. Uh, many of us are doing remote work and working so much harder because we're always on. Um, and we have children that we, you know, have to take care of. Um, at the same time, um, and you know, lots of responsibilities that have, 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 have just all converged upon us, um, and we've had to pivot seriously during this time. So, the time for empathetic, empathetic leadership, the time for compassionate leadership, the time for for leaders to understand their role in humanizing the culture of the organisation, so that they're responsive to um, you know what people's real needs are on the ground and how they can still engage and inspire and enthuse people to be productive, to continue to be high performing um, through times um, of challenge like this. And none of us thought after the first 21 days that we would be, uh, you know, of, of lockdown um, in March last year, that we would be sitting here all this time later um, with the huge challenges that we, you know, we currently still are facing. We have seen the impact on our economy. Um, we've seen the impact on our society and our communities, everything from education, food, health, um, you know, as we have having to break new frontiers, we have to be pioneering. And this leads to uh, the question of what sorts of leadership, uh, what kind of leadership, what are the leadership qualities that we need in order to sustain ourselves through prolonged um, um, periods of, of stress and anxiety and get people to still find a way to grow during times like this. Yeah, yeah totally. I, I mean, I, I, I re relate to pretty much everything you said. And I mean, the, you're, you're a very, you have a very strong um, purpose-driven leadership principle and you always have, right? So how much has that changed or been enhanced over this over this period that, that we've just experienced? Is it becoming more and more critical, like the critical thing? Um, and and what is what is the effect of that being that you've seen? So I did a talk on purpose uh, driven leadership um, not too too long ago. And I think for me all the research is pointing in the direction of saying that purpose-driven and values-based leadership is the kind of leadership that, you know, has already shown um, that they are far more um, um, high-performing in the financial markets right now. 
and that when you have a purpose, when people come to work with a sense of purpose and they're led by leadership who um, have a higher purpose than, than simply just a profitability, I think that we are able to really um, um, take our organizations on a, on a, on a journey of, of success. There's been a lot of research that has come to the fore over the last 12 months in particular that have shown that purpose-driven leadership is um, and combined perhaps with values-based leadership is the way the world is going in terms of its uh, in terms of the leadership paradigms that are beginning to emerge that are fit for purpose, fit for where we are today, and is going to sustain us into building a better future um, for our people, for uh, building a better uh, economy into the future. So I think that you know we need to we need to be anchored by what our purpose is. If we we don't have a purpose, we we're actually rudderless and directionless, and we um, in in times of you know of, of you know that we live in in turbulent times like this, we we can panic, we can we can be erratic, we can try to use old traditional hierarchical commanding control paradigms that might have worked. 20, 30 years ago, it's 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 long went out of fashion actually. But I think right now, what we really do need is 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 a is a leadership with a sense of purpose that is being articulated. There's organisations that believe that subscribe to something higher than and bigger than themselves that have that want to make an, a lasting impact on society and want to give something um, to change the hearts and minds of not only the employees, but their customers and their regulators and our stakeholders to say, this is an organization that truly embodies what the future is all about. So I'm, I'm curious to know, what is, what is Shirley's why? What is Shirley's purpose? Because you've, I mean, you've achieved a phenomenal amount. And when I say, uh, I, I think you really own the phrase overcoming adversity. <laughs> like if anybody's read your book and if anybody's seen what you've gone through, if anybody's seen that the, you know, the, I know these are glamorous positions that, that, you, that look like you've represented at Nedbank and Standard Bank, but they were tough and SARS, they were really, really tough and through tough times. How did your purpose drive you through that as well? I believe that... Um, you know, often in discovering our purpose, we, we make ourselves quite vulnerable. And I think if you take all the grandness of title, rank and power away, we are ultimately human beings, all of us, with a need to connect, with a need to have, uh, you know, social relationships, with a, an inherent need to be cared for, to be recognized um, and um, and to be heard Um and to be embraced. And, and I think this, this world, I mean, and now people can say you're getting all soft and fluffy, but I think it's the soft and fluffy elements of who we are that really matter now. I think, you know, we used to say there are hard skills and soft skills, but I do believe that the softer skills are probably the hardest skills to learn. And those are the, the things, you know, the skills of collaboration, the skills of building good relationships, the skills of connecting and communicating well. Um, the skills of solving conflict and solving problems, those are the things that are going to take us forward. And in my personal life, Carla, just to answer that question, you know my story. Um, I've shared that with you and many audiences um, where, you know, I've had the most amazing opportunities in life come away from a career, from an academic point of view. And then, of course, I've had the other extreme. Um, and for those of you who don't know, in 2003, uh, we lost our only child in a terrible car accident. It was incredibly devastating for Kevin and myself and our broader family. And and every day um, that I live, I I, I have to I, I think about you know the fact that we survived and we are here, and um, and you know we had to go through digging deep and really understanding what is our purpose here on on this earth. Why are we here? What do we get up for every day? What is the impact that we want to leave in this world? Um, and um, and for me, that was really when my purpose and, and living life with meaning and purpose truly crystallized for me and really anchored me. And my, my why really is that while I'm here and I've had the benefit of all these 
wonderful opportunities. I'd like to encourage people to unleash, you know, their own potential. And we all have this amazing talent and magic often locked up in ourselves because we're afraid. We're afraid of what people might think. We're afraid of, afraid of failure. We're afraid of putting up our hands and stepping out of our comfort zones. Um, and yes, we, we need to, a little bit of stress is, is not necessarily a bad thing. But I think when we imagine what we can do, if we could, you know, emerge from that fear and anxiety, especially at a time like this, and, and as Mandela said, fear is not the, you know, the, the absence, you know, of, of, of courage. We need to have the courage. We need to be bold enough to dig deep and pull ourselves out of that adversity. And you can't always do that by yourself. And so I always encourage, um, you know, executives, people just in general, you know, sometimes we inherit people around us and, you know, they can, be, they can create a lot of, uh, you know, uh, toxic kind of waste in our system. And we need to figure out how to work with that. But we, we can do something deliberate about who we surround ourselves with and who, uh, you know, uh, who, will, who will care about us, who will uplift us, who will inspire us, who will give us direction and guidance, people that we can trust, people that we can go to. And we can decide who those people are. And it's often been said that, you, you know, you, you, you become like the people you spend the time with. Um, and so we, we need to, what we, we, uh, there's so much power in our words as well. And that is why this engagement is so powerful, because I want to encourage people to say, you know, think about your why. Think about why you get up in the morning. What are the things that motivate and drive you? What are the things that, you know, that, that create value in your life? And make sure, I think the one thing that COVID has taught me as well is to make sure that we are grateful for the little things and that we give of ourselves, even if it's even if it's the little things, a bit of kindness, a bit of generosity, a bit of um, gratitude, um, you know, takes us a long way in this life. And um, and while we live in all of this chaos, you know, and we wanting to make order of the chaos, I think our purpose and our values are the things that anchor us. And those are are so deeply embedded, I think, in each one of us that if we can just find that um, we can actually live more purposeful lives. And when we show up at our places of work, we show up in our communities, we show up, uh, you know, in our educational institutions or wherever it is that we're showing up, that that exudes um, out of who we are. And, um, and, and so I, I really want to encourage people, if you've been deferring things, if you've been putting things off because it's never the right time to do things, um, we must use our time wisely because we're not here forever. That's the other thing I learned out of our devastation. You know, we are so vulnerable as human beings and we just sometimes take every day for, for granted. And, and really, uh, you know, we, we, we need to say, what does every day mean to us and reflect have that inner dialogue, do the inner work, because what that does is it strengthens our resolve to make a difference in the lives of others, whatever that difference might be. I know for many people that the unlocking the potential is, is certainly what you do. I mean, and I just if you just go and look on, on social media and some of your comments, on some of my comments, if I'm, if I'm saying you're around, I think one of our other award winners from last year was saying, Shirley Zinn is my shero. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but you are you, you definitely and, and I know I've, I've spoken to people in the past who've learned from your trauma as well to be vulnerable about that who've shared your experiences but not uh, not been able to heal and you've even helped people heal with their own experiences um, and that's just just from the people I've met I mean I can't imagine the kind of feedback that you're getting but I want to I want to talk a little bit about this, this, and uh, what I opened up with saying is, is a seat at the table because you, you do, you have managed to secure a seat at the table. You have um, both pursued a lot of professional and personal adversity to get there. And what I want to take or, or try and get to share with, with some of the other potential people in, in, in corporate or business entrepreneurs is. What is what is what does it take really to get a seat at the at, at the table, and and what does it really actually mean? 
So we, we say this word, you know, we think breaking through the glass ceiling and all of these things. And I know you're there and you embody it. You, you represent a lot of um, empowerment initiatives and, and you share those insights. But what does it really mean to have a seat at the table? Um, thank you, Kyla. I think, I think we grapple a lot, you know, um, especially as women um, and, um, you know, about, first of all, how, you know, how do you actually even get there? Um, and what is the journey? What do, what do I have to do? Um, am I worthy? Am I adequate? Am I competent? Do I have the capabilities? Um, and we often, um, you know, it's just, it's just so overwhelming that we can't, we can't even, uh, you know, see, see the way forward. And I think this is where mentorship and coaching and sponsorship, you know, somebody looking out for you and encouraging you to, to, to step up, um, even, even if the answer is no, it's fine. Yes, it's a little bit disappointing and we all get the, the regret letters from time to time now. Sometimes these days people say, well, they don't even respond anymore, you know, um, if I put myself out there. So what must I do? Um, this, this, this does happen in this life. But I, I do think that that is why, um, you know, one's, one's relationships are so important, one's uh, you know, you know, when you give back to your profession, when you you're visible and active, um, you have a position, you are you, you develop your voice, um, and I think many of us are also daunted even just by that. You know, um, because we do uh, we, we we do some some assessments that tell us no, we we are introverts, and we, we, you know we're used to operating in a particular way, um, and and we have this introvert extrovert, and we have a lot of those kinds of paradigms that create internal barriers and the self-speak that says, well, I'm only going to speak if I have something profound to say, you know. Um, um, but I think that we must we just be our authentic selves. We can never be perfect. Um, that's the other thing that I've learned in this life is that uh, you can only put your best foot in front of the other every single day. You can only do your best. Um, but we can never be perfect. And I think this is the thing that I want to encourage, uh, you know, especially especially women, is, is to... You know, even if it's not all perfect, just just step step out step, and 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 step up, and 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 know that there's a you know a a, 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 a men and women who are supporting um, that that step that stepping out. There are um, enormous amounts of um, research being done now on 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 women on boards, women in decision making positions. There are some women during you know this COVID environment that have have truly led their nations and have led their organizations um, in, in the most wonderful ways. Um, they, um, they, they is a, and I've talked about the soft skills as well and the research that's being done by the World Economic Forum on, you know, the qualities of leaders of the 2025 will need to have, but I think it's, it's with us already. Um, and a lot of those qualities have been attributable to feminine leadership traits, but the, those traits are in, in men and women, and I think that we, you know, um, as men and women, we have a responsibility, especially if we are in leadership positions, to make sure that we are truly um, creating a, a better life for all, wherever we find ourselves. It doesn't, if you're not in the boardroom, you, you, wherever else you are, you, your own leader in a particular space, and we need to make sure that those qualities are the enduring qualities. And those things, you know, just having a set of, of targets. I knew, you know, from a young age already, I always tell the story of, you know, um, um, you know, you have to work hard, but you have to do things to the very best of your ability. You've got to show up with enthusiasm. You've got to be prepared. You've got to have done your research. You must be organized and um, and you must be able to give and take in, in debates. Um, and, and so when, you know, you have a, a seat at the table, um, and you've navigated your way there, you've already, you've already overcome so many things, you know, in so many barriers. Uh, you've been literally swimming upstream, you know, to use, to use my own words, um, that, you know, we, we're bouncing forward, as somebody said, even during these difficult times, we're not bouncing back. We, we're wanting to move forward all the time. And, um, and so, and we, we take the energy from all of the people around us that want us to succeed and we make that happen. And when we get to the seat, we try to lift as many others as we can. Um, so it's not just a tick box and a compliance. And yes, we know there's regulation, there are legislation, there are targets, there are quotas, there are 
uh, you know, all sorts of policies. Um, but we, we, you know, as as women, we, you know, we're still battling with. We look at if you look at the numbers of women on boards, and 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 so on. So I think. You know, and you also need to have more of a critical mass. Being one person, I, I know that there's still, I don't know, probably 30 JSE listed companies with no female representation, despite all the efforts that, um, you know, have been put in over, over the many decades um, of, of, of struggling with this. And I think the struggle still pretty, pretty much continues in this space. But I do believe that as a collective, um, we must show growth and generosity and be deliberate in saying that if we don't have that diversity, um, we are never going to get to the innovative, creative, um, uh, divergent or diverse thinking that we're going to need to build a future together. And when you get to the table, that is your responsibility. Your responsibility to, is, is to have a voice that says, you know, how do we build um, a, a better world together. How do we build an organisation that is um, that is going to be resilient and show tenacity through these difficult times? And how are we still going to be? Are we still going to be here in the next five or ten years' time? And what are the things that we need to do? And if you if you have the same, you know, group think around the table, we're never going to come up with anything innovative and creative. I think we've had this conversation a million times, but you know, it, it it's. It's a it's a slow um, a slow grind, but I want to encourage men and women who are listening to this today to say um, we want everybody to to succeed. We want everybody to find their, their voice. We want everybody to have their talent shine. And when we all do that as a collective, we move each other forward. In, in we propel each other forward in a very different way from when we try to do this um, individualistically or monolithically in some or other way. And um, I, I, you know, I just feel that when you when you're sitting at the table, you have enormous responsibilities um, and and accountability, and we need we need to we need to lead um, dynamically. We need to lead, with, you know, ethically, and we need to we need to lead responsibly during a during a time like this. And um, I'm, I'm appreciative of, of of having had the opportunities, um, and I, I do believe that we need a younger cadre of decision makers, men and women, who need to be groomed and need to be coached and mentored. And we need to deliberately build that pipeline of young people into decision-making positions and into the board because the new world of work is fourth industrial revolution, is digitization. And people, you know, if the average age is, is and, and this is not the ageist thing, but if you if you don't have that diversity around the table of race, gender, age, competence, uh, technical, soft, whatever, if you don't have the, the, the mix around the table there, you are going to be left behind. That is absolutely a given. You speak a lot about, um, and, and this is a, a little bit of a, it's not a gripe I have, I don't know how to use it in a different word, but mentors being male and female, and I think very much, you know, working with a brand like Top Woman, I, I, I get a lot of the sentiments and feedback where I feel is that women want women men mentors, women kind of shun having men on the stage, or if I have a masterclass uh, for Standback Top Woman, um, it's looked at kind of, you know, not taken well and often having men. I know for me, I've had strong male mentors. I know for you, you've had strong male mentors. So I just wanted to get your, you know, to, how do we break, what is the what is the barrier there between, you know, this ideal, idealistic idea that we must be mentored by women? Uh, and, and what would you sort of, what would you say to that? Yeah, I think, you know, that that, that question, uh, Carl, is embedded in a much deeper question, really, around, you know, um, how we even got to where we are in terms of um, how we define the roles of men and women in our lives and how that plays out for us through our childhood and through our education and our family life and into the workplace. And the truth is that, you know, um, there's still quite a bit of gender inequality you know, there's still a lot of discrimination. There's still unequal, you know, pay for women. There are still glass ceilings. There, um, 
Um, there are still, and, and we've seen gender-based violence raise its head during the COVID pandemic. Um, we've seen Black Lives Matter during the COVID pandemic. Um, we still continue to see that. And, and there's so many, um, uh, you know, issues around who to trust, who to learn from, um, you know, uh, who, who, do, who, who, can I, who can I place my, you know, my future, whose hands can I place my future into here? Um, and am I willing or not willing to learn from either male or female combinations of, of those? And, and, and unfortunately, we still live in a very patriarchal society and um, and those roots are of those paradigms are very deeply entrenched um, in in the in the hearts and minds of of how we of systemic uh, uh, racism and, and 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 gender inequality so you navigate your way through the tripwires of you know of your education and you you know and the workplace and and all the complexities of getting you know advancing your your career um, and you, you you look at who you might turn to in, in all of those situations um, as to, as to who, who could be a good mentor for you, who could who, who would really look out for your very best interests, who would open a door for you um, if they could, and why would they and why would they do that? Um, and so you know the, the questions are, are, are quite real for, for, for many for many uh, people out there who are in search of um, of this progress and, and who deserve it and who we actually, we actually need them, you know, around the table. And that is why, um, I, you know, and we had this, this discussion um, not too long ago at, at one of the educational institutions that were considering, you know, the merits and the pros and cons of do we have specific women's programs to where only women attend um, and or do we mix it up and we say, we have a program um, on women's advancement for men and women, you know, um, and and uh, and if you have to bring other, you know, um, 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 marginalized um, um, uh, genders into this, you, you think about LGBTIQ and, you know, um, the, you know, where does all of this come come into the framework? That we that we want to talk about when it comes to how we support each other's learning, how we advance each other, how we grow each other, how we commit to each other's progress, um, and I think that we need to we need to first of all understand that we're operating in this huge uh, context of of, of um, deep patriarchy still, and 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 gender inequalities. But we need to say again, in the spirit of building a better world, what do we need to do? differently now. And if we truly to be these humanizing, empathetic, compassionate change uh, agents in the world as leaders, then we need to say we need to we need to find different ways to do this. And yes, women have not been the designers and creators of these problems that we find. It is and we don't have to be the ones that come, the only ones that come with a solution to it either. We need to find a way to co-create with men who share a, a common purpose around equality and diversity and inclusion. And if those men are out there and want to, you know, forge a way forward with like-minded, you know, um, others, we, you know, we need to embrace all of that because we can only do this together. And I think that if, if you know there have been, there's been so much I've had you know so much support from from men and women throughout my life in various stages of my of my career and I'm truly grateful for that and I think we need to hold those up that have even during times when, when these things were swept under the carpet and not talked about I think I think we need to I'm very grateful for having had those opportunities but I do believe that it needs to be, we need to be more vocal and more, you speak out more, reach out, you know, to a broader range of, uh, of people that are more inclusive of a, uh, you know, of, 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 of the diversity that we are. We need, we need everybody um, to make sure that South Africa works and to make sure that the world works. Everybody needs to find the space to make this happen. And we all need to feed off each other as we do this in a very productive and constructive 
and positive way. Yes, we're not going to agree all the time with everybody on everything. I mean, that's a given because we all have different ways of thinking. But, yeah, we need to have a core. We need to have a common purpose that says on this thing, we bring everything that we've got because this is the only way we're going to build a better society. And I know, and I can't remember what company it was, but, but that, I mean, I thought it was very uh, sort of good and it can work in any organization is they took a, a committee of, of men to tackle the gender issues or um, uh, it within the organization themselves. And I think what I, what my sort of end of it and where I think you're going is not everybody is understanding the perspective of a female and, and what, you know, the inequality and what the results are of that. Um, and sharing that with them and bringing them into the conversation brings a different perspective and then sort of sends the message out and gives a further reach, like you said. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. So, um, what, in terms of where, I mean, you've been in the professional world for a long time now, and I'd, I'd just love to, out of interest, if, we, if you looked back from then to now, has much changed? Has a lot changed in terms of in terms of female empowerment, in terms of equality, in terms of representation, and in terms of just the feel of of, of what the future holds? Like, I mean, is there a, is there a contrasting difference, or do you feel it was sort of natural uh, a progression, or was it an aggressive? You know, I'm I'm interested to see a take back from from then to now. Yeah, I think I think Carla. The, you know, as I said, we, we, we've had the business case. I mean, we know that, you know, uh, you know, women are now, you know, uh, the, the, the biggest consumers, um, you know, women now, uh, there are more MBAs that are, that, that are women, just as an example. Um, um, we, we, we know that a lot of what we put in place when it comes to, you know, uh, gender policy and practice, and reporting through EE, through BEE, through JSE listing, gender policy requirements now. Um, um, we, we've, we have moved. So, so let's, let's just reflect on that. Um, and yes, people will say that tick, tick, box, tick box and compliance thing. And yes, we can get numbers uh, numbers in, but if we if it's numbers in, numbers out, it doesn't mean anything. So you also have to create this culture of equity and inclusion, a mindset that says in whatever I do, in whatever I say, in whatever decisions I make, I must make sure that I've included everybody. Um, and I think I think sometimes we just get we get you know fixated on on the diversity. Yes, we must recruit. Uh, and, and tick the boxes, and, and once they're in, we're okay. We're not worrying about whether we, they stay or whether we progress them or whether we develop them um, and whether they actually, you know, are, are able to grow and thrive um, in the organization along with, with everybody else. So I think that that, that cultural element is, is quite key, and I think that uh, in a lot of boards now, I'm finding also, at, uh, you know, even at AGMs now, people are asking about, you know, what is the morale of your people really like? You know, um, you know how are people really feeling about working in your organization? Are, are they happy with your your commitment to the environment or climate or to equity? Or you know, do you still have pay gaps? You know, what are you doing to close your your pay gaps? So there's there's activism um, around around this um, uh, these, these matters, and 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 that's all part of a a convergence of of law, regulation, and and just people on the ground saying that, you know, enough of all of all the inequality. But I think um, to answer your question, the the, the pipeline is is there. Um, we we, you know, a lot of organizations will give you a globular number and say something like, oh, 60% of our you know, our, our 10,000 people are, are, are women. But if you look at, you know, the top of that pyramid, um, it, it does thin out quite significantly. And especially if you start looking at JSE and you start looking at the statistics there, um, uh, you know, I think after Maria Ramos left um, two years ago or so, um, out of APSA, um, there were no women in the top 40 uh, of the JSE listed companies as CEOs. 
Um, even on boards, you are seeing, um, you know, there's still quite a journey ahead of us to get through into these decision-making uh, positions where we can enable, uh, you know, organizations to make improved decisions about families and communities and um, and how we, we, we sustain ourselves um, and nurture and do all of the things that we need to do to be to 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 see ourselves into into the future of this world of work and into the world in general. So um, so the, so I think you know while there've been you know it's been some stop and there's been some go and there's been some regression and there's been kind of sometimes five steps forward, three steps back kind of thing. Um, I think to some point there has been you know some of the changes we see happening. And I think, you know, uh, the, um, the, the, the big challenge for me with all of this is when I looked at this gender-based violence thing emerging so starkly and so brutally um, during this COVID period, it made me feel like, what does that mean for all the progress that we have made? Um, that we still need to have the 16 days of violence, uh, you know, um, uh, um, um, against women and children that must stop. We, we still need to do things like this. When will we uh, deal effectively with this, uh, with these kinds of issues? When do we begin to criminalize, you know, an unequal pay for work, um, people who commit gender-based violence, acts of gender-based violence? When do we, we truly we still be condemned, but how do we actually hold people accountable for their behavior? And we need a huge, behavioral change we need a mindset shift and our leaders are the ones that you know need to show uh the way um on 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 all of these things if we are truly to to make a difference and so um i, I do believe that we have a long way still to go um people have worked at how many years it will take at this pace <laughs> to get just to get to 50 50 um so we're not gonna share those horrible numbers <laughs> But while we, you know, while while we are, you know, our preoccupation shouldn't be with, you know, the dismal state of affairs. Our preoccupation must be on, on what changes do we have to make and how do we eradicate gender discriminatory practices? How do we increase representation? How do we create open access to our economy? How do we create education systems that are going to enable our children to be curious, to be disruptive, to, um, you, you know, to, to discover, to uh, not just to absorb knowledge, but to truly um, 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 pioneer new ways of thinking and, and, and as we move into the future. So I think we, um, we have a, a long way to go. We have very limiting beliefs about ourselves as well. Um, and sometimes that can be the, the biggest uh, stumbling block, especially for, for women, where we tell ourselves no before we even try. And so I, I think it's very important to, to, to cultivate that self-belief and to, you know, um, and, 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 and constantly, I, I mean, I really want to encourage us, I don't want to say to everybody that they must all do a mountain of degrees, you know, I'll go and stay in university for the rest of your life. All I'm saying is that we need to continue to learn, you need to continue to learn in different ways from your peers, from your networks, from your role models, from forums like this that you can engage in. Take the time out every day for yourself to learn something new um, from other people or from reading or whatever the case might be, because that is absolutely critical um, to uh, your preparation for the future. So I was going to say to you earlier, isn't it? You know this this new leader that we need is it not all also all about being a, a, in a constant state of being open to learn so we have no leader at the moment that knows everything and we have no no position that knows everything and is, is it not imperative that we all are in a state of we're here to learn still because there's so much has changed whatever worked before is not necessarily going to work again yeah, that's such a such a good point. And and Carly, you know how um, passionate I am about about education and how important education is. And sometimes we only think about education as the formal education, which is something that we must fundamentally get right as well. Because I think there are lots of flaws and challenges with the with the current system of education and the approach and the philosophy to education. 
But I think that there's learning that can be self-driven. And if we are to be effective in a, in a high-paced uh, world of, of change and volatility, to use the VUCA analogy, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity, we don't know what's li what lies around the corner for us. But what we need to do is to constantly be, be prepared and be willing to, to learn. I mean, you can have you know, a, a doctoral degree, but it doesn't mean that your learning has to stop. I think your learning actually has to continue every day for you to be effective, to be to be at the top of the curve. We need to know, we need to know what, what's happening in the world. We also just not we don't it's not only about knowing, it is also about understanding and and saying how do I respond to what I know? What is the position that I can take on a particular matter? Um and um, and being and being able to to stand up when the time comes because you've done the thinking you've done the testing you have rejected with some of the some of your trusted advisors um, and so um, I think that we need to think differently about learning and the most important thing about learning is learning to learn and conceding that you don't know everything and that you're going to have to listen to other people around you. I think that's the one other thing about leadership today is the ability to listen to other people. And this ego and hubristic behavior of I've arrived and I know it all is a thing that will trip, will trip us up if we, if, we, if we don't believe that we, if we believe we know everything. Totally agree. So that's what I was trying to get to. And I think the arrogance of, of we, we know everything, we've been there, we've been, been around the block, got the t-shirt there is no t-shirt like that anymore <laughs> but um i mean speaking about learning and i'd love to 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 hear from from your personal story because i know you've done a lot i mean you've achieved a lot we know that and you've achieved lots through adversity but i haven't read much about your failings and not in your failings but really what have you learned from them like what are the what are the important takeaways you've had from some tough failures have you failed first of all yeah, of course, um, 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 Carla, there are plenty, maybe not as, as, not as well documented as some of the, some of the, the successes, but I, I do think that, that life has a, has a way of, of, of making us learn. And, um, and one of the things is, um, you know, when you have failed or when you have fallen over for whatever reason, um, learning how to pick yourself up. Is, is one of the things that I've had to learn. So after, after our devastation, it was how do you pick yourself up? Um, many of us, and I'm, I'm talking now about mental well-being during this time, it, it's a very big challenge um, for many organizations. It's just one of the strategic priorities. Is It was always a thing that was on the side, you know, we, we, you know, we, we're stigmatized, we don't want to talk about it. But the question is, we live in, in a very, very... Um, um, a tumultuous uh, environment right now, and how do we, how do we, you know, uh, you know, take care of ourselves and make sure that we've healed and make sure that we've, um, you know, um, we're able to lift ourselves up and we're able to draw on other people, and we're also able to put up our hand if we identify a problem. If you know, a lot of it is, I, I don't think I have a problem, so I actually think I'm okay. So I'm going to have a setback, but I'm going to I'm going to go back and, you know, and pretend that nothing happened or carry on as before. And, and this is not the way we designed to be. So I think we need to we have we have enormous resilience in ourselves, you know, in, in, in inside of ourselves, I think. And it's the ability to overcome a huge trauma, tragedy, setback, disappointments, which inevitably, inevitably comes our way as human beings. Um, we are vulnerable. We are not flawless, we are not perfect, and we are going to make mistakes, and we are going to get pushed back, and we are going to have disappointments. That is just the reality. But we can rise from that, not less diminished, but even, um, even stronger than before if we take the learnings and we don't remain in denial about it. And I think being mindful, mindfulness has become quite an important thing these days, being able to really be present, to be really taking, you know, into account of, of you know, what really is happening around me. Um, and where I failed, I need to own up. And this is where humility comes in. And so, um, so I mean, you talked about arrogance earlier on. I, I think, you know, um, 
it has to be the op- opposite of humility because humility is, is, is often seen as a weak thing. But um, um, I believe that you don't have to be a doormat to be humble, but humility enables you to have empathy. Um, it enables us uh, to ask, to question our own assumptions about things. It enables us to rethink our positions. It enables us to get up when we, when we go down. And life is a way of humbling us in various ways. Yes, you don't get the job. Yes, you have a tragedy or you, you grieve um, for a loss. Uh, yes, you, you make a, a mistake and you lose your company a few million rand and you go to a disciplinary procedure. Or yes, you know, um, uh, you have, you, you know, you, you have to, you, uh, you know, a whole variety of things go wrong also in our, in our personal lives because of, of, of poor choices that we make. So um, I think that if you just stay true to your values and to yourself and you recognize that, hey, I am going to make a mistake, but you own up and you, you move on, you move forward and you, 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 if you have to apologize, you have to do whatever it is you need to do to show your remorse, then do that. And then we can all, you can all move forward, you know. Um, so I think that, um, um, I think that we need to ensure that we have this sense of care and diligence within ourselves and that we know when we've done right and when we've done wrong, we see what happens in a world fraught with corruption um, where we we thought we had positioned transformational, inspirational, thought leaders, servant leaders, and something happens to them somewhere along the way. And um, and it's all very, it's, it's, you know, we, we, we sit on the side and we watch and we wondered what actually really happened here? What, when did this breakdown actually come? And I think that um, we need to be more attuned to when we start to feel those failures and we need to say, we need to stop that somehow, we need to call it out. But in order to call it that, we need to be strong enough within ourselves to say, yeah, we also not, we, we're not so perfect ourselves, but we've owned up to our, to our, you know, our, our, our imperfections. And it's okay, you know, um, once we've owned up to it. But uh, I think that, that we need to be able to call this out very strongly now, because I think, you know, ethical leaders need to, need to step up. If you fail, if you made a mistake, you need, to, you need to take accountability for it in whatever form that accountability might take. And I think then only will our society be able to move forward from where we are right now. Wow, yeah, and that, that is true. Just just owning up and stop being in denial. <laughs> stop trying to hide it. <laughs> um, I've, got a, I've got a, I don't, you, you might have seen earlier on today, I, I put a post up and I thought I'd give a couple of people a chance to ask um, and not be selfish and let some other people um, ask some questions. Um, so I just had a post on LinkedIn this morning and I, I had a, so, some really nice comments first of all so congratulations on, on the nice comments but um, one there's a couple of them and one of them was how have you managed to stay relevant how have you managed to stay in the game for as long as you have what's been your trick <laughs> thank you so much i wish it was just a formulaic or you know one day wonder but i think it's a yeah. it's a consistent effort um it's uh, um you know, it probably comes down to, to, to the usual three things of, you know, um, uh, what's, you know, um, or, or what drives you deep down in your soul, what's in your heart, what's in your mind and what, what's in your hands, you know, um, and, and, and making all of those three things uh, constantly uh, be aligned. But, I, you know, I think that um, your, your emotional, your spiritual and your physical um, anchors are, 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 you know, um, your health, your stamina, your, be, your being able to, you know, um, get up and, and, and not try to do the sprint every day, but understand that this is a marathon and you have to be consistent. And it, it does help, Carla, that sometimes I do try to run. And <laughs> how, how many, because you've done quite a lot of marathons. In, what was it? The tell, tell me about that. I, the Two Oceans mar- Half Marathon. Um, 
Yeah, Kevin put me on the road about 10 years ago, and um, I'm I'm really dying to do my 10th one, but um, COVID has prevailed this year and last year, so next year I'll be a year older, and it will be even more tough to do. If I'm not going to try for the virtual version. Um, yeah, I'm going to do the virtual version. I got the T-shirt yesterday, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. But, I mean, I do want to say to people just while we're on this that I think your, your physical fitness and your physiological wellness and your mental wellness and all of these things work together to give you the, the stamina and the fitness for peak performance. And in, in roles like this, you, you have to constantly be um, you know, uh, at, at you know, at your best. Um, um, and, and as I said before, you can only be at your best. You cannot be perfect. So, um, so, so taking care of yourself. You don't have to do the marathons either. You you can do twenty minutes of walking, just getting fresh air. Of you know, if you if you want to meditate, if, if you want to do yoga, whatever physical relief you might seek. Um, that are healthy, you know, eat healthily, sleep properly. We take a lot of these things for, for granted, actually, but, but these are the ingredients of how you might be more effective in what you're doing. So you take care of those things. You take care of your social capital. You make sure that your relationships with your significant others and your family and your friends and your colleagues are optimal at the best of times, in the best way that you can possibly do it. You be there, you show up, you be in the moment, you're not be fiddling with your cell phone when you're talking to people, that you you really are interested in people's well-being. I mean, even during COVID, just, you know, a simple thing like calling up a family member that you haven't spoken to for a while or a friend or a colleague, just to say hello. It's a simple thing, but it it makes a huge a huge difference to people to think, ah, oh, somebody actually thought about me today, you know. Um um, and, and people do now look for for that love and that care, and uh, we're not able to give the uh, affection necessarily that we want to give, but those are the things that we don't often talk about but impact us a lot, you know. Um, and so we need to get that social, relational aspects, communication aspects um, to work, to work really well. And then we need to, we, we also need to say, you know, what are the other things that I need to do to ensure that I remain on top of my game, that I remain credible, that I remain, um, you know, and it, success is, um, is is not defined necessarily by the material stuff that you manage to gather during your, your time. It's also about your state of mind, you know, at any particular point we know, you know, uh, when are we happy? When are we truly happy? What was the happiest moment that you can remember? When last have you been have you had a moment like that? And do you create the time um, for those kinds of moments? Um, because the more you have of that, the more endorphins you have floating around, um, you know, the better you just are at everything. The, you know, if your relationships are stable, if your relationships are motivational, and yeah, cut out the noise, you know, cut out the clutter. Uh, be minimalistic if you have to. Uh, you know, if you have to have two or three really dear friends that you want to spend your time with and cut out all the other stuff then then and so be it but make something work for yourself and be conscious of your decisions that you are making um and um and 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 feel and, and to coming down to your own inner dialogues that we have you know with ourselves about you know are we effective enough what what, what do we have to do personally do we have to go and speak to you know uh get help or speak to somebody that you can trust about, you know, holding up a mirror to yourself and saying, what, what can I do better? How can I improve? So we need to be in constant uh, uh, improvement mode of ourselves, you know, and I think um, uh, that does require a bit of effort. Nothing comes without a bit of effort. And, and I think this is the hardest piece of work that we have to do is, is the work on ourselves. Easier to help others, to help ourselves. Not, yeah. <laughs> not and I'm a choice one for, for putting that out there, Carla. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it to, to two last things. So, so another one was Mark Krobler. He's the CEO of Founder Empowered. And he, uh, was, I like this question, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, is what, what was your most empowering moment? 
and I do know that Mark is listening. So, um, <laughs> uh, so Mark, um, uh, Mark has a program that he he does particularly for uh, for women. It's called Empowerment, and it's really about the fact that as women we are vulnerable in the world. We've been you know, subjected to, you know, attacks and, and like I'm talking about, you know, just walking out there, you're not safe. Um, and and so what is it that you can do in terms of choices when you are out in the malls, out in the roads, driving in your car and you feel, and, and this is not a, a self-defense course that it does, so I have to be very clear about that. It is really about what, what choices do you have? So you have to be vigilant you have to listen to what's going on around you. You have to be aware of your surroundings. You have to understand your fight or flight mechanisms. Um, and it was very simple principles, but so important just to spend the time um, understanding that you know you don't have to be uh, come the victim. You 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 can make the choice to to run away if you have to you know find a moment to to get out of danger to get out of the situation and i think one of the the, the, the you know he took us through um a, quite a, a process around around that and i think um uh, because it was virtual we you know one of the things it gets us to do actually is to is to physically break a board um and and i sat there thinking i would never be able to do that i would absolutely not be able to do that and i think that board represents that it's a little uh, wooden piece of, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, a piece of wood about this size, and um, and, he, and and that wood represents the barriers. It represents the fear. It represents the p- potential attacker out in the street. Um, it represents whatever you might baggage you might be carrying with you that you haven't been able to offload. And if you are able to just do this little trick that he teaches us, it is so simple. The thing breaks and you can't even believe that you actually did it, you know. And there was huge anxiety. I remember Kevin was, surely you're going to hurt yourself. Please don't do this. Um, and Mark was there to encourage and to inspire. said, you can, you, you, you know, um, you won't hurt yourself. We, we're responsible when we do this. And um, and of course, it was just amazing when it happened. I was kind of looking at him and I'm like, I don't believe that this is possible. So I think for for us, and I want to I want to congratulate Mark for he's taken this program to schools, to universities, to corporates, to charities, um, to teach women that yes, you don't have to be a black belt, um, but you can defend yourself and you can uh, protect yourself and you can not just overcome the physical dangers out there of, of being a woman in, on the streets of South Africa, but you can also um, overcome the other hurdles that, um, you know, life has, 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 has put, in your, put in your way. So I want to thank Mark for, for helping me to, to, um, to overcome my own anxiety and fear when it comes to my, my, my ability to, 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 to break the, the barrier, to break the board. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, le- I'm gonna leave it with my last thoughts, and and uh, this is something to share for everybody else. Apart from swimming upstream, which I must recommend everybody to watch, I really enjoyed it. And it's, it's a type of thing you can read on a Sunday afternoon, um, and really, I, I, I never put it down. I picked it up, didn't put it down, finished it. That was it. Spent my day with Shirley. Um, but what, what book? in terms of that aligns to your values, would you think is it really important that you would share with the world? Um, do you have one? Can you think of one top I of think mind? I, yeah, no, I have, I have multiple because I read prolifically. Um, um, awesome. Every day I'm, 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 I'm reading all kinds of different things at the same time. But I think um, um, the, the one book that I want to recommend people read um, um, right now is the new, t- um, I, I think it's a Jim um, Tom Peters book. This is the old, the old one, um, but he's got a new one called Extreme Humanism, um, and I would I would recommend that it's a, it's also a quick, fun read with a lot of um, very interesting um, uh, um, um, le- teachings on 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 why we need to be more human in, in our leadership, particularly 
right now. Um, I've read um, uh, books like In the Flow, which is all about mindfulness, um, reading books on um, performance management right now and how we can improve, um, how we, you know, get people to, to continue to perform during difficult times like this. So um, um, I also want to encourage people to read. I read the, the Financial Mail um, and Harvard Business Review as it emerges because that all helps me um, uh, to, 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 to stay on top of my game. And then, of course, um, for some inspiration, I, I read um, Maya Angelou's poetry and remind myself that um, despite all the chaos, I can still rise during this time. Shirley Zinn, um, it's always an honor to spend time with you. I'm very, very grateful that I get to, to have this time with you and uh, for sharing your story and some of your insights with everybody else. Um, I hope this year is, is a good year for you. What is, what, is, what is in the crystal glass this year? <laughs> Anything big, exciting? Uh, thank you so much, Carolina. I'm just going to continue with my with my boards. Um, I, th I, th I think that um, that is going to require a lot of my effort and, and energy um, to to uh, make sure that all of the, all of those organisations continue to thrive um, through a difficult uh, through these difficult times. So um, yeah, I'm afraid I don't have a crystal ball, but I do want to say to everybody that it, it might seem. Um, it, it, it does seem impossible until it's done and that we can grow and thrive despite everything that's uh, militating against that right now. I'd like to encourage you to continue to believe in yourself and to, and to move forward despite the challenges. Thank you for, for always emphasizing that message. It, I, I just want to say personally, it does help and it, and it does um, have an impact. So thank you. Have a beautiful afternoon. Thank um, you. I look forward to seeing you again in person someday. <laughs> Thank you so much, Carla. Likewise.